Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about our church, visit therockonline.org. And now a message from The Rock of Gainesville. All right, we're going to get into the Word this morning. Um, Open your Bibles to um, Psalm 84. Psalm 84. So the first couple of weeks of this beginning of this 2023, we were talking about in the beginning, and I think most of you would agree that everything good and perfect in your life uh, is because of Jesus Christ. Would you say amen to that if that's the truth? If you think you're something good because of you, uh, you are deeply deceived. Uh, All things good have come because of Christ Jesus, and uh, we benefit from it. And out of that, the first week of the year, uh, most of you know we had seven days of prayer and fasting, and we had a prayer meeting here every morning uh, for uh, those six days, and then again on Sunday. And one of the days uh, Pastor Jamie uh, led, I, I believe it was the latter part of the week, and uh, we were focusing our prayer that morning on the favor of God. And I just, uh, during that de- that dur- throughout that whole day, I just started uh, doing a word study on favor. And out of uh, favor uh, came upon goodness, and upon goodness I came upon mercy, and upon mercy I came upon the kindness of God. And, and from there, just uh, quite a few different uh, thoughts were running through my head. And so we're going to, uh, Pastor Ron says it's his favorite subject. So I told him he could come preach it, but he decided not to. Anyhow, follow along with me. I'm going to pray and then read out of Psalm 84 verse 11. Father, thank you for your word today. Ask for your anointing to be rich upon it. Encourage us, strengthen us, help us, convict us wherever we are on our journey with you today. Uh, be it sitting in this room or watching online or listening to a podcast this week. Father, we thank you for your promises that you gave to us through Jesus Christ, who was at the beginning with you and has always been. And today, as we just open up your word, even as we meditated last week on that John 1 verse, Father, where it talks about in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God. I am grateful that everything that we open up out of the Word of God that brings life to us is because of Jesus Christ and all that He did for us. And so we give you thanks this morning for this Word and receive it in faith. In Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen. Amen. Psalm 84 Verse 11 says, for the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. The Lord bestows favor. How many of y'all like favor? How many of you like honor? The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold, and there's a key in this verse. Some of us just want to say favor and honor just comes because, but it doesn't. It comes because we walk uprightly. Those that diligently seek God with all of their heart, what's the word say? We'll find him. 
He will reveal himself to those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. And I want to encourage you today that, that just going to church is not enough. Going to church is radically important. Matter of fact, the Word commands us to go. The Word commands us not to forsake the assembling of the fellowship of the family because when we isolate ourselves, we end up in trouble. So we come back to the reality of the, the faithfulness, the, the diligent seeking of God with our whole heart. God will reveal Himself to us. That's why we encourage you constantly here to get in the Word of God. You do not have to be encouraged to do a lot of things, like eat, like sleep, like go to your kids' ball games, four in one week. You don't have to be, you don't, you don't have to be challenged to do that. But the Word of God, your private prayer time, your private worship time, that takes an act of obedience that comes out of a willing heart that goes, I am hungry for God. I was talking to uh, someone this week, and they were talking about age, getting older. And I often, I'm stuck at like 45, maybe 47, until I look in a mirror real closely. Those magnifying types, whoo! Man, you want to stay away from those. You're like, man, you look all right. And then you go get in one from those mirrors and go, whoa, Lord, have mercy. But we were talking and I was like, yeah, no, I don't, yeah, I, I don't see myself in my middle 60s. And then uh, Andrew said yesterday we were, uh, my sons and grandsons took me for my Christmas present. We went and spent uh, some time in Tampa at Topgolf. And uh, I won. Uh, I, I didn't want to really say that out loud, but, but I did win two out of three. And because they talked smack all week, you know, about how much fun we were going to have. But each one of them talking about, well, I'm going to win and I'm going to hit the longest drive. So I just kept taking my pitching wedge and just hitting that first hole, bam, you know, and get points every time. So if you haven't played top golf, it's a great game. But uh, on the way down or back, I can't remember, Andrew just, just pops out. Yeah, this year, Jess and I are turning 40. Like, there's no way my kids are 40. But Nathan's about to be 42. I was 30 when we started this church. And it seemed like it was just 10, 12 years ago. So there's no way I can be almost 66, but I am. But the reality of growing old is this. You begin to realize life is flying by. I got a picture this week from my sister and my brother-in-law, and they were down visiting uh, my mom's only sister, my Aunt Evelyn, who is about a bazillion years old. And they had got her in a wheelchair and taken her outside, so the sun was bright, and my aunt uh, was just in full array, and I was like, wow, Aunt Evelyn. You look like you have lived a long time. She was so cute. And, and then I, I blew the picture up, and I'm like, I don't want to live this long. <laughs> I want to fulfill all the purposes of God, but I don't want to live that long. And uh, 
But the reality is our, our life is flying by. And only what we do for Christ will last. I think there's a song like that. If not, Jamie, you should write it or sing it, one. Wednesday night during uh, family night here, Jamie's teaching, and it was, it was a great word. But why in the world he's got to always just bust out in a song, you know, while he's teaching? Just makes me mad. But, but even before service, I walked in the, the uh, back where the youth are meeting, and uh, the guys were in there uh, practicing, getting ready. And I walk in, and Kylas is on the keyboard. And I'm like, Kyle, let's get away from it. You don't know how to play the keyboard. And then he just woo, goes. I'm like, man, you make me sick. <laughs> he plays the drums. He plays the guitar. Plays the keyboard. He sings. He's good looking. He's got muscles just <laughs> everywhere. Kyle, I'm, I'm building you up here, man. Getting you ready for marriage one day. There's, and he's a righteous man of God who knows how to pray. Come on, somebody. That's the most important. But those who diligently seek the Lord, hear me, the promise is God will reveal his everything to us. And so favor is, I know, is a, is a, it's an amazing thing because you don't want to live your life without the favor of God. Because it opens doors that no man can close. It closes doors that your flesh once open, but God keeps closed for your benefit. Come on, somebody. Amen to that. It closes doors sometimes. Some of you single people have been praying about that person you want to marry, and, and uh, God closes the door, and you're all brokenhearted. You ought not to be brokenhearted. You ought to be rejoicing. God knows something you don't know. Because when you make a lifetime commitment, it's a lifetime commitment. Not like it is today in, the, in our society of unbelievers where the divorce court window door just spins around. As believers, and we're seeking God, it's a lifetime commitment. Amen. Career, job, profession, college degree. I'm, I, I could ask the question, how many in here have a college degree that you're actually working? <laughs> how many of you, put your hands down, about nine of you. How many of you have a college degree that you have never worked? Go ahead and raise your hand. Let me see him. My son Nathan and I were having a good talk the other day over uh, lunch, and uh, we were talking about, I was talking about his degree in Russian language, literature, and arts. <laughs> so Nathan, how's that going for you? <laughs> what, what are you doing with that degree? Uh, working at the church. <laughs> We don't have a lot of Russians here. Every once in a while when we do have one, I'll go grab Nathan and say, Nathan, he's like, Dad, I don't speak Russian. <laughs> that was 17 years ago, and I didn't speak it real well then either. But the reality is we, we spend a lot of time pursuing something that we're never going to use when God could save us from those wasted four years and help us to pursue him with the favor that he wants to bestow upon us. 
Jamie found this de definition, and so I wanted to make sure that Jamie wasn't leading us astray, so I went to his research place, and I found the definition, and sure enough, it was exactly how he had typed it out in our notes, our prayer notes. The favor of uh, the definition of the word favor is God's demonstrated delight in us. God's demonstrated delight in us. See, a lot of believers don't believe that God delights in you, but he does. God loves his children even when we mess up. And our messing up, unlike natural parents, does not, does not affect our relationship with God. He loves you when you bomb and crash. He does. Now, he doesn't always delight in your behavior, but he delights in you. And a lot of folks in that body of Christ need to come to grip with that because it would change the way they pray, change the way they worship, change the way they walk, change the way they read the word, change the way they treat other people because they would start treating based on the way they see themselves in God instead of pain, hurt, failure. They would see who they are in Christ Jesus. And man, does God love you. Next week, I'm actually going to uh, minister on the love of God. Because the love of God, all the other things, the favor of God, the grace of God, the goodness of God, all that comes because, first of all, God first loved you and me. Amen? Because he loved you so much, all the things that you have need of, the word promises, are already met through Christ Jesus. We have to learn to appropriate it by faith. And we do that out of a relationship of just allowing God to show himself mighty in us. The favor of God can be described as tangible evidence that a person has the approval of the Lord. That's powerful. The tangible evidence. You see, when we favor someone like above everybody in this room, which I love all of y'all people, y'all my people, my family, but y'all are a long ways behind my love and favor for Suzanne Irene Mikay Brantley. She holds a place that nobody else holds. Got a place of favor in my, in my life, in my heart. And when we favor someone, we want to be with them. We want to hear from them. We want to hear their heart. And that's what God wants from you and I. He wants to show his favor. But he loves showing his favor to those who delight in him. Who are not just trying to escape hell. Now, if you're smart in this room, wherever you are on your journey today in life, whether you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ or not, you should not want to go to hell. Okay, let me just lay it out there. The, the Bible describes hell. Everybody wants to believe in heaven. Matter of fact, I was reading something this morning in my devotion, and, and then I, 
read this article, and, and it was talking about suicide, and it was talking about this person, this father that had committed suicide, and the, the man that was writing the article was writing to another young boy whose father had also committed suicide about the same, uh, his age was about the same as the person, the man that he had written to. And in the end of the article, and the article was very encouraging, and then all of a sudden, at the end, the man says to the boy in the article, our dads are in heaven waiting for us. And, and it gives this false sense of, you can just live your life any way you want, do what you want, kill yourself, do anything, kill somebody else, but in the end, everything's going to be all right. We're all going to be in heaven together. Well, as much as I want every part of this message to be good and encouraging today, hell is as real as heaven. And you're not getting to heaven because you're a good person. You're only getting to heaven if you've surrendered your heart, soul, mind, and body to the Lord Jesus Christ. Received him in faith as the Son of God. And he is the door to the Father. Got quiet in here. Three people, amen. We maybe don't like that in the natural, but that is the kingdom of God. Otherwise, why are we even doing this this morning? Why are we gathering to worship God if worshiping God is irrelevant to where we're going to end up in our life? If no matter what we do, in the end, we're all going to heaven. Why do we press in so much to want to serve him now? Eternity begins in our decision of Jesus come into my life. Eternity that you want to experience. See, everybody's living after death. It's not in my message. I got to get past this, but for some reason it's coming out. Heaven and hell are both real. Choose this day, God said. Choose this day. Life or death, heaven or hell, good or evil, choose this day. I love that God just, you know, he realizes sometimes we just need a little help. So he says, choose life. He says it. He declares it. Choose life. Because in choosing life, you're making a decision to die to self, surrender to the goodness of God. And it's that decision that will determine and that's why Jesus said, though the, though the thief, the enemy of your soul comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus said, I've come to give you life and that life more abundantly here and now. It's not just for heaven. We begin that abundant life right here today. Whether you're 10 years old, 20, 40, 80, doesn't matter. You can begin to experience the fullness of God's goodness in our life and begin to experience favor like you've never experienced before. In the same way that God shows favor to the ones who delight in, connect with, and give honor to him. Isaiah chapter 66 verse 2 says, These are the ones I look on with favor. Those who are humble and contrite in spirit. And listen to this, who tremble at my word. 
Isaiah the prophet writes that. I'm going to read another prophetic word that Isaiah spoke that Jesus uh, reiterated in Luke chapter uh, 4, I believe. But it talks about that we understand the fullness of his word and that we literally even tremble at. Second Chronicles 16, 9 says, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those, on behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward him. Now, I don't claim perfection in any area of my life except my inability to be perfect. I perfectly am not perfect. But the process is what God's looking at. The road, the path, the life that we're living, that no matter what we're experiencing in the natural, that man, we press in to pursue the fullness of everything God is in our lives. To be perfect towards him means we seek his favor, listen to this, more than we seek the favor of anyone else, including ourselves. There's no one I want approval from or favor from or blessing from on this earth more than it is my wife. If I can disappoint everybody else in the world but not disappoint her, I'm happy. Do we always achieve that? <laughs> not hardly. But it's our goal. It's our desire to pursue and to live in that kind of favor. I want to read you some scriptures. Psalm chapter 90, verse 16 and 17. Love this. Let your work be shown to your servants and your glorious power to their children. Let the favor of the Lord our God be upon us and establish the work of our hands upon us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. Let the favor of the Lord our God be upon us. If you never think about the favor of God, I would encourage you to press in. It's okay to ask God for his favor. It's okay to hunger for him in a way that says, Lord, open doors that I could never open in my life. Help me to die to self so that I really can diligently seek first the kingdom of God. It's literally a matter of allowing Holy Spirit to work in your life to change you from the inside out. And it's possible. It's possible. Because when you hunger for him, doesn't, doesn't mean you're perfect. It just means that you really, really, really want him more than anything else in the world. One day, we're passing through this place. Going to enter through the door of death into eternity. To hear, I trust, well done, thou good and faithful. Well done. You have sought me, desired me. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 3 and 4 says, Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart so that you will find favor 
and good success, listen to this, in the sight of God and man. See, I believe that we can have good success not only before God, I believe we can have good success before man. But you seek him as one who can be found. Listen to this again. Let, stead, let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Let me get back on the subject of marriage one more time real quick. If believers would live by that verse alone, we wouldn't end up in the divorce courts. Let not steadfast love forsake us. If we would pursue God as though our very lives depended upon it, no way does the enemy get an open door in how you do your marriage, how you do your relationships, how you live with your children, how you raise your kids, how you live at work, how you respond, if we will let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake us. He says, bind him around your neck. I don't think he means like a rope, like you're hanging yourself. But he says, bind them around your neck, write them on the tablet of your heart to pursue his goodness, his love, his obedience. Isaiah chapter 61, verse 1 and 2. This prophetic word that I'm about to read to you out of the prophet Isaiah, I'm going to right behind it read how Jesus comes along and opens up the scroll, asks for the scroll of Isaiah, opens it up, and then begins to read the exact words that Isaiah the prophet prophesied about the coming Christ. Jesus requests, upon being invited to speak in the tabernacle, he requests this reading. He reads it, and then he makes a declaration that gets the ire of all the religious people in the synagogue. Let me read. Isaiah chapter 61, verse 1. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn. You can go ahead and read three and four later on this afternoon. But verse one through verse four really is Isaiah's prophetic word. And as he's proclaiming it, when he says the spirit of the Lord God is upon me, Isaiah is not prophesying that as though he's the one that the spirit is coming on. He is prophesying of those things that are going to come to pass through the giving of the son of God. And then Luke chapter 4, verse 18 and 19. Jesus takes the scroll. He opens it. Matter of fact, um, in one of the episodes of The Chosen, I think in season 3, uh, they, they tell this story. And Jesus is invited in. His mom is there, his friends are there, 
He opens up the scroll. He reads very little in their judgment, rolls the scroll back up, hands it back to the scribe. And then he goes and he sits in the chair thinking nobody's supposed to be sitting in. He sits in the chair that's been set apart for the coming king that they read about all the time. They just don't believe he's coming. And they sure don't believe this guy is the right one to be sitting in that chair. So let me read it. Verse 18, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. Anything wrong with that? Proclaiming good news to the poor? He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind. To set at liberty those who are oppressed. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then he sits down and he says, this day, this scripture is fulfilled. The reason we're gathering here today is because of what Jesus did in that moment. This day, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. And in the, in, in the movie, they portray the, 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 the uh, head of the tabernacle, the priest, the Pharisees, they go nuts. And the guy stands up and he gets in Jesus' face and he begins to declare the law of Moses. <laughs> and I love what, how they portrayed it. Jesus just stands there right in the face of this religious leader, and he declares, I am the law of Moses. <laughs> and they go nuts. Your scripture and mine says that they took him out to the top of the hill overlooking the city, and they were going to throw him over and kill him. And he says, not today. <laughs> not today. This is going to happen but not today. Why? Because Jesus was not finished, hear me this morning, fulfilling his purpose on the earth. You are not through today fulfilling your purpose on the earth. Do you hear me? You're not through. If you were, you'll be out of here. That's good news to you and I. We still have an opportunity to be about the Father's business and proclaim that because of what Jesus said, we are also here anointed to bring good news to the poor, to set the captives free, to reach the lost. Franco and I were in the back room before service talking about our, our new outreach on the college campus. And we're at University of Florida, Santa Fe College. And, and, and we're just talking about a lot of the logistics. But, but both of our heart is this. We believe that in our lifetime, in our generation today, that we're going to have an opportunity to reach young college students and young professionals with the gospel of Jesus Christ, with good news. Because how can they be saved unless they hear? And how will they hear unless someone goes to them? And goes to them with love. Goes to them with open arms to say, man, oh man, oh man, I got some good news to tell you. If they're poor, they don't have to be poor anymore. If they're sick, they don't have to be sick anymore. 
If they're struggling, they don't have to continue through a life of struggles. Jesus has come to make a difference in their life. And hear me, that's not for everybody else out there. Let me lay it to you. If you're breathing and you love Jesus and you surrendered your heart, soul, mind, and body to him, God has a purpose for your life right here and right now. Every time you walk out of the doors of this building, you walk out into a mission field that is wide open for you just to let the love of Christ come through you. Let yourself become an instrument of God's favor to the world that God would use you to touch someone, to favor someone with hearing the gospel that Jesus loves them, that Jesus loves them, that he has a purpose for them. If you're in the hospitals, man, if you're a doctor, a nurse, a technician, if you're an administrator in the hospital, every single day you go to work should be an opportunity to say, God, use me today to touch someone's life. Maybe it's walking through the hall. Maybe it's waiting in line for a cup of coffee. Maybe you're past some family and they're standing against the side of the wall, bawling their eyes out, and you stop and say, are you okay? Can I help you? What's going on? If you're in the business field, the business arena, you're, you're a, you own a shop, a store, man, all, all the time just waiting for that opportunity. Lord, bring somebody into your store. And the favor of the Lord comes on them through you. Because you're willing to take time to ask how they're doing, what's going on. You step up, walk up to someone that's going through something in the grocery store, the gas station, or has a flat tire in the parking lot. People need Jesus. This world needs the favor of God. Don't spend so much time being angry about all the politics of our nation. You're being distracted. Distracted. Yes, it's bad. Yes, there are things that are rotten. Yes, there are things that need to change. And when you have an opportunity to vote, vote and change. But otherwise, why are you spending all your time being frustrated by the garbage that comes out of Washington, D.C.? I can tell you about my friends in China that have no ability to change their government. I can tell you about my friends in Cuba that have no ability to change their government. So what do they do? They are busy about changing the hearts of their friends and their people and their city and their nation. What good is it going to do to complain about what we can and cannot do when God wants to use us? Hear me, the same way the Father used Jesus. Jesus poured into 12 disciples, and because of it, 11 of them being faithful is the reason you and I are sitting here today in a, with a personal relationship with God, because 11 men changed the world with their obedience. Were they perfect men? Absolutely not. Did they argue? Absolutely. I mean, right before Jesus goes to the cross, they get in a discussion about which one of them was the greatest. And I'm thinking, God, seriously, 
how did you use them? But he wasn't finished with them. He didn't call 12 of the most educated men, the most prized men. He called fishermen, tax collectors, zealots. And they walked with Christ. They experienced his death, his burial, his resurrection. And they were there standing with Jesus right before he ascends back into heaven. And Jesus says, go and wait until you receive my power. Because the end was not Christ. The beginning was Christ. And he said, you need the Holy Spirit. You need the power that will change your life so that you can change other lives. The story of the disciples is a fascinating story. When you realize that only one of the disciples were literally in the place, in the presence with all these women watching Jesus take his last breath. Only one. John. Goes on and writes the Gospel of John. Goes on and writes 1st, 2nd, 3rd John. Goes on and writes the book of Revelation. John, the only one who history tells us died of natural causes. But those other disciples, scared, fearful, ran, ran for, the, for the hiding place when Jesus was arrested. Peter rejecting Christ, denying him, cursing. Man, what changed those men? The favor of God did not reject them. The goodness of God did not reject them. The mercy of God did not reject them, but sustained them. And when Jesus came out of that grave, the word was sent, go tell my disciples and Peter that I've risen because the job was just beginning. Today, our responsibility on this earth it's not just your job, and I don't care how important your job is. The most important thing that we will do is be instruments, disciples of Christ, and take what freely has been given to us into this world to bring good news to the poor, to the hurting, to the lost, to the down and outers and the up and outers. The favor of God is still reaching those who are lost. So today, as we get ready to walk out of this place, I want you to settle in your heart the goodness and the mercy and the grace and the favor of God is for yours, for your life, and for everything that He wants to do in you first so that He can do something through you for the rest of your life. No justification for all the reasons why we can't, but only an acceptance. Man, God's going to use me. If I could take the time to literally look every one of you in the eye and say, God wants to use you today, this week, to touch someone's life 
in a significant way. You don't have to be some profound understanding of every scripture in the Word of God to be used by God. He just takes you right where you are, who you are, because you love Him. And you want to be this conduit. You know what a conduit is, right? It just, stuff goes in one end, comes out the other. That's what you and I are called to be. Christ in us, the hope of glory. Not me and us, not me and you, not you and me. Christ in us. We're that conduit that just his goodness flows through us. And man, it comes out in people's lives. Bow your head, if you will. Father, thank you so much. First of all, for the favor you have shown us. Your love, your mercy, your kindness, your goodness, your grace, your favor. As we diligently seek you, hunger after you, long for you, press into you, you continually pour out your goodness in us. But help us as the church to believe and to know and to realize that it's not about us. It's about using us to touch those in our world that desperately need what we have received. This year, Father, I am believing 2023 that we as individuals, we as small connect groups, our Bible studies, our prayer groups, our corporate service, our family night gatherings of teaching, that all those things will lead to one thing, and that is us. Being that conduit of your love in our world. I pray over all of our high school students, middle school and high school students, Lord, that that they will just be so in love with you that their life in school will not just be about learning or playing sports, But their life will be about taking the love that they've already grown into as a young person and freely encouraging and touching someone else with that love. I pray for our college students, young professionals. God, that they will not be swayed or moved by the foolishness of what's taught by ungodly professors. They simply will hear, pass their test, And in the midst of it, Lord, be an instrument of righteousness to friends, to people that are hurting. Pray for every adult in this place that has a life, a career, a profession, that we will take the same favor that's been bestowed upon us and we will be a tool of righteousness in our community. Lord, we say we long for revival and we long for a move of God and we long to see things that haven't happened in generations, but you alone know our heart. And so if it's anything besides being sold out, diligently seeking you with everything that's within us, then it's nothing but talk. Help us not to be a people that talk 
Help us to be a people that walk, that live it, that desire it, that know one day soon we will stand in your presence and take an account for our life. That's not a scary thing, Father. That is a powerful thing that we look forward to. But help us not to fear standing there with regret because our life is just all about us. So I pray for us. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would move and shake, stir, convict, challenge every one of us, beginning with me, Father, on the journey where we are, that we will be real about what matters most. So that as on the one hand we walk in your favor, the other hand, out of that favor and blessing, we give our lives to that which Christ gave his life to. Our city needs Jesus. Our government needs Jesus. Our universities need Jesus. Help us to do our part. I pray. With every head bowed for just another moment, believers, would you pray? I want to just take a quick opportunity to say to anyone in this room that has not come under the favor and the Lordship of Jesus Christ, you don't have a personal relationship with God through His Son. This morning, if the Lord's brought you here for such a time as this, and this is your time and opportunity, Jesus is knocking at your heart's door, and He's wanting you to invite Him in to be Lord of your life, to be your Savior, to be your King, to be the door in which you can come to know the Father by the power of the Holy Spirit. Believers are praying for you, and I want to just let you acknowledge by the raising of your hand, if you'd like me to lead you in a simple prayer where you invite Jesus to be Lord of your life in this auditorium this morning, between you and God, I'm looking to see so I can pray. Would you simply raise your hand up and hold it for just a moment? Let me recognize it. Let me lead you in a prayer before the Lord this morning. It's the biggest decision you'll ever make in your lifetime. Jesus, be Lord of my life. That's you this morning. I don't care how young, I don't care how old. This is a moment when you acknowledge, I'm ready to give my life completely to the Father. Would you raise your hand? Let me lead you in a prayer. Let me recognize it. Those that are watching online, you can pray this prayer with us in a moment. But today's your day. There's some young people in here. You're a pretty good person. But you haven't surrendered your life to Jesus yet. He's knocking at your heart's door. He's wanting you to invite him in. I don't want to rush through this. We won't prolong it. But this is your opportunity today. The Lord loves you so much. And he's waiting and he's wanting to be Lord of your life.
All right, I want to invite you all to stand. I'm going to lead us in this prayer because we don't know who's watching online and because there's someone in this room. There's some young people in this room this morning. You need to pray this prayer. Maybe you're too timid to raise your hand yet. You pray this prayer in faith. The timidity will leave. The faith will rise. You can come tell someone that today you gave your heart to Jesus. Pray this prayer with me, the whole congregation. Father God, we invite you through your son Jesus into our heart, into my heart. Today, I surrender completely everything that's within me. I give to you. I acknowledge the sin in my life, confess it as sin, and I put it at the altar today. Jesus, I invite you to be my Lord and my Savior. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about our church, visit therockonline.org.